This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, today we encourage you to fight back against parenting guilt and live with freedom. Plus, David, (laughs) David's like a bucket of chicken. Is it on now? Just say your stupid intro. <laughs> Welcome to the Grown Up With Kids podcast. Oh my gosh. I'm glad it was quick. That's like the only thing quick you did today. Whoa. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Rachel, it's not the only thing. That is actually, <laughs> today's been a slow day. Oh, no joke. It was, yeah. It yeah. wasn't totally my fault, but it was. <laughs> I am slow. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. I had a um, funny thing happen recently. On the way to the Coliseum? <laughs> is that from a movie? It's a play. Oh. I don't, I don't think it's the Coliseum. What though. is the play? I don't know. Okay, I'll never mind. Like. So here's what happened. I was doing like this photo shoot thing, and I was supposed to be a businesswoman which I can barely pull off. <laughs> so they got me like, I got dressed up like a businesswoman. Uh-huh. Who knows? Anyway, so I'm I'm posed behind this like glass wall in this office setting. And I'm supposed to be writing with an expo marker on the glass wall because yeah. that's how business people do it. So, <laughs> so they're taking a photo like through the wall at me. Yeah. And they're like, write and smile. And I was like, okay, no problem. So I start writing, but I can't smile. So I'm writing things like calendar, agenda, and I can't smile at the same time. And so they peek around and they're like, hey, can you smile while you're writing? And I said, sure. So I tried. I couldn't. So I decided, oh, I'll just smile. But what I wrote was the only thing in my head. Which was dot two dot dot two dot like the full words dot two dot dot two dot and but I was smiling I just couldn't do the two things like at the same time and so the woman like pokes around she's like hey so now you're smiling but is there any way you could write anything else and I just looked at her and I was like no like that's literally all that's in my head. So she had me erase my dot to dot. I erased my dot to dot. And she's like, write the words like calendar and agenda. And we're just going to pretend you're writing. Just like pose. I was like, oh my gosh. I think this is, I think I'm probably the worst subject for a photo shoot ever. So it was funny. To dot. (laughs) Over and over and over. I mean, what does that even mean? I don't even know. It was like that was the only thing I could do systematically for some reason. Yeah. And then, but my smile looked great. <laughs> Here's what I want now. I want us to make a t-shirt of like a cute blonde girl with a marker <laughs> and then a board. And, and it says dot to dot, but I want it to be like dot T-O dot. And then below that she's written dot T-W-O dot. And then below that dot T-O-O dot. We gotta make but that on happen. Those last two, when she's writing those last two, there's no way that she'd be smiling because I would have to think too much. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, so if these photos ever come out or like are published somewhere, I will put them on our website and hope. I hope it says dot to dot. It would be great. 
I'm amazed because I feel like you spent the last 13 years pretending to smile. <laughs> because 13 years you ago were... is when I became a mother. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually been times? 17 years because that's oh, when I got married. No, now it's hurtful. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You make me smile every day. I mean, how many like school projects have you pretended to be excited about? Oh, Drawings? Man. I, I swear, if we had a bunch of moms in a room, we'd all raise our hands that we've all faked the smile at all kinds of things that our children are doing. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm that's just, very interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the most obvious ones, but I'm sure they're all more obvious than I Oh, no, the most are. obvious one is every boy and many girls go through this stage where they bring in anything from outdoors to start a collection. <laughs> so it's either acorns or rocks or sticks. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's a great... 78th acorn for your collection. <laughs> and they're so excited. Like, it was the first acorn totally. they've ever seen. We actually had that circumstance where our boys decided to collect gallon Ziploc bags of acorns. Yeah. And so they would bring them inside, and then they would just sit on our counter in these bags for weeks. Like, they would just... It was like their currency or something. They were doing this yeah. trading thing between each other. But what I found was that these acorns started to mold because there was moisture. So these, like, moldy acorns... Anyway... I, anyway. I had a smile on my face and was excited that they were engaged with each other, but it wasn't a real smile. No, but then you throw it in the trash and they see it yes. and they might as well have woken up with a horse's head <laughs> in their bed. They're so upset. <laughs> Just screaming bloody murder. They were so pissed. So. Side note. Okay. It's a funny thing on the way to the forum. That's the, the play slash movie. Oh, Okay. I didn't know where we were going with that, but with I've that never heard note, of that. I just like to but... go side note. <laughs> Sidebar. Oh, Counselor. my gosh. Our poor listeners. Our poor listeners. <laughs> Our poor listeners. Well, poor me. That's probably what they're saying. <laughs> Free Rachel. <laughs> Free Rachel. Oh, man. All right. We're talking about guilt today. Yeah. Because we're both feeling a lot of it. Um, before we get into the heavier stuff, I did want to make one comment about uh, your guilt Oh, no. <laughs> no. You're no. like, it's well-deserved. <laughs> no. you. So I went out of town with our boys for a few days because you had some work stuff to do. I went to see family. I was able to work remotely, which you can't. Um, and on my way home, you and I were talking on the phone, and you're like, I feel so badly. I haven't done anything. The house looks exactly the same as when you left. Yeah. And I just wanted to reassure you that that's not true. The bathroom looked so much worse. <laughs> It looked like you had dumped every product you'd ever bought onto our because, counter. Because I did. And then there was like a wet rag next to it just to like soak I, up the dirt. I, I had a little um, lipstick explosion. And so I had to like wash my little makeup bag. And then like it was all over all this other stuff. And I got halfway through and I got a call from a client. So then I didn't finish the drill. So like... So there is a wet rag because I was starting to clean off stuff, but I never finished. So I just left it there and dealt with what I needed to deal with. I was amazed. I was, <laughs> it was just like really well done. Well yeah. played. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about guilt. Ooh, it is a rough one. Uh, I'm feeling a lot of guilt. What about you? I feel a lot of weight. Yeah. What's, what's the difference? <laughs> Guilt sounds worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think as we've been talking this week, you and I, about the podcast, um, 
that we feel weight around the ongoing pandemic, even though it feels like maybe we're getting near the end. And in some ways, maybe that makes us feel more antsy. <laughs> even worse. Yeah, more restless. Yeah. Um, and then I think that causes and exacerbates, um, if I'm using that word correctly, which I'm probably not, uh, the feelings of guilt that we have. And so I think there are a couple buckets of guilt that we could talk about, right? Like there's work guilt, the guilt we feel about working and both of us working right now and what that means for our kids. I think we have school guilt where we're getting phone calls. We've joked about one of our kids fell asleep during a Zoom call <laughs> a couple months ago. Like We've gotten others that are less funny, but just same kind of stuff. And so we feel like, oh, we're not doing enough uh, to keep our kids on track at school, even though like, what a crap year for kids to yeah. keep up in school. Yeah. Um, I think we have guilt towards each other. Like, we're not helping each other enough or spending enough time together. Um, and then there's, like, house guilt, like, just keeping our whole household running. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably somewhat exhaustive. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think that that's, that's what's crazy is I'm trying to, like, list out all the things that are sort of the physical demands of our day and trying to think through how do we structure our day better? How do we both stay engaged with work and stay engaged with our kids and stay engaged with the school? Like, how can this possibly work? And I can't get my head around it, almost as if it's not a problem to be fixed, but maybe, like, as we've discussed this, it might be something that we need to dig a little deeper in, Mm -hmm. which is actually what we wanted to do today, because I think uh, most, I would, I'm guessing... Knowing the constituency of our listeners, most people are like, okay, we can schedule stuff, we can time block, we can read leadership books, we can read parenting books and whatnot, right? So there are a lot of resources for us to sort of fix this and make ourselves not feel guilty. But I think that what I am finding is that sometimes I feel like I'm sort of doing the right things, but I can't do them well enough. And that's what I want to dig up a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah, the... The question is, what do we do with our guilt when it is impossible to do everything that we could want and feel like we're expected to do? Exactly. And I think when I was talking with a friend this last week, it was super, super helpful because as we discussed why we're so tired, like I, I can't remember, even in those newborn years, I can't remember being this exhausted, like sitting down on the couch at the end of the day and not being able to keep my eyes open through a 20-minute sitcom. Like, I, I'm i struggling to stay awake in general. The amount of coffee we're consuming is phenomenal. And, and that can't just be because of the physical demands. I think it is partially. But what we started to unearth is that, like, that as moms in particular, I think that we are pushed on a little harder. Yeah. So... You wake up every day. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, and you feel pressure to get stuff done at work. What do you feel um, in terms of your parenting and what our kids need to get done on an average day? So I think I feel like I'm supposed to be the teacher mm-hmm. um, because our kids are in a hybrid model school. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to be peer accountability for their classroom. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to be a cook. I feel like I'm supposed to clean. I feel like I'm supposed to be a counselor, like emotional support for when when things fall apart. 
I feel like I'm the curer of loneliness. I'm not sure how to say that, but like what? I, I think it's curé. <laughs> really? Yeah, the second R is silent. Curé. Is that your French version? Oui, oui, mademoiselle. And that's all the French that you know, right? Uh, Maginot line. I know that. I know les incompétents. Oh, you're incompetent? Is that? I think so, yes. <laughs> that's why you yell at me all the time? <laughs> Try to fix something? It's from Home Alone. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Uh, I missed the French That's version. the extent of it. So, okay, so those are some of the roles that I'm feeling. And then I feel like I want to be an engaged wife. I want to have good conversations with you. I want to be asking good questions about your work. And I want to be thoughtful. I want to be a good friend. I want to think about others well. Um, like there's, I feel like there's a lot. So when I wake up in the morning, that's what I am anticipating for the day. And then I have to, I'm doing a job on top of that, like taking care of clients and making sure that their stuff is well cared for. So I didn't count everyone, but you listed like 14 things. I think it feels like 55. I don't really see what the problem is. (laughs) Maybe you're just not trying hard enough. It might be. No, I mean, that's a joke. Like, I think that's what we, you and I feel, and I bet a lot of others feel is like, well, if I just had my crap together, or Uh if I made another list, or if... We just, like, me and my husband just talk through it and tag team it better. Before we can just get our kids through this one challenge, like, it'll all fall into place. And I just think that's a lie yeah. that creates a sense of despair and exhaustion. Yeah, and I think that even when we do drop some of those physical necessities, like, I would say, like, on a Wednesday, say, we go out to dinner so we don't have to think about cooking um, or we make accommodations to like get the kids somewhere special or I don't know, like we, we make these accommodations, but it's not going away. And I think that's the, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that like, even with the accommodations, I'm still feeling the weight of that. So what that says to me is that there might be some external things going on that I feel pressure from Mm -hmm. that I, in some ways, like I think the pandemic has pronounced for us, so where are you feeling, whether they're real or not, outside pressure? From whom? Yeah, I'm going to make a bold statement. I feel like, I think, women have stepped back to 1974. Like, I think we made a lot Bell of... bottoms. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think we made a lot of progress in culture Um for women to be engaged in the workforce. Yeah. What has happened through the pandemic, which um, I think this is proven, I don't know, but it feels like women are large in part being pushed back into carrying the burden of home. And so things like work are slipping or things that um, where the, we, yeah, we're just, sho- I feel like we're shoved in a hole and that's hard. Yeah. Well, there's definitely data that shows that female participation rate in uh, job employment is down while male is pretty flat. And that is indicative of women feeling like they have to step back and take on these household duties because their kids are at home. And, you know, so I, I think that's very true that there's a ton of pressure right now and that more than 50% of that, and maybe in some cases 70 to 80, 90% of that is being carried by moms. Yeah. And I think that some of the exhaustion around that is that it's very, it's unspoken and subtle. Mm -hmm. Um, That 
So a really good example of this is that um, when the school reaches out to us about an issue with our kids, they call me first. Yeah. And um, even though we've asked, hey, can you text us both? So that because one of us may not be there or like we're tag teaming this. Well, and they may not believe this, but I actually also care about our kids (laughs) and their (laughs) education. Exactly. But that's been a pronouncement during the pandemic that like that men and husbands, um, I think many of them care more than our culture allows them to. Yeah. And I think many women are more successful and earning more money than our culture allows them to. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's absolutely true. Trying to think about this in our context, because um, I believe that I care as much as you, but I also, and I don't know if this is a male thing or a personality thing, tend to be more say la vie. Um, and so if a child of ours is struggling, I tend to think, okay, like we should engage with that, but it'll work itself out over time. And we're right. in the middle of a pandemic and this is weird. Whereas I think that you tend to internalize that as I'm not doing something right yeah. and I need to fix that. And I, and so often my say la vie-ness, more French, by Ooh. the way, we're just killing it, <laughs> um, probably makes that feel worse because it's what I'm communicating to you is you feel guilty and you, you should feel shame about feeling guilty. Like it's your fault for feeling bad. Yeah. And what is communicated is you're so uptight. You're too much. You're thinking too much. Yeah. (laughs) They don't. If you're a man listening to this, you should know women don't like to be called uptight. And tell them to smile more. They love that too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) As usual, don't do anything we say on this podcast, but certainly not those last two things. In general. Well, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Like, I, just you feel this pressure. Some of it is real. Some of it is not. Like, it, it is not imagined, but, like, you're feeling like you're responsible for things you're not. But my job as a husband is not to tell you that you're wrong. Uh-huh. It's to engage in that conversation with you and help you separate for yourself what is really our responsibility and how do we share that and what's not our responsibility and how do I help you feel some freedom from that? Right. And I think that a man's tendency, I think in a lot of marriages, the husband's like, well, just tell me what to do and I'll yeah. do it. Like, yep. just tell me the the physical needs that need to be met. I'll do laundry. I'll go grocery shopping, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is played but, out with our kids in school, like where you'll be like, oh, so-and-so isn't doing this. And I'm like, oh, I'll do their homework with them tonight. And it's like, that's my solution. Yeah, it, exactly. It absolves me of my internal guilt. That's really what's going on. Right. And the other piece of that is that part of what needs to happen is that you take the initiative with the teacher and you reach out and sort of like retrain the, the culture that surrounds our family to right. say, hey, look, no, I'm initiating. I'm going to take this on. I'm dealing with this child, and I will communicate with you. Please yep. communicate with me. Because the like, like that, I think that's the fight that helps me more than any amount of laundry you do. But don't hear me wrong. <laughs> Keep doing the laundry. <laughs> I do like the laundry being done. <laughs> so step back. I say- do laundry sometimes. I you feel- used to do it a lot more. I it's, know. It's, it's only right now. <laughs> uh, it's a season. So step back and say that again, maybe in slightly different words, because I want to be really clear on what I heard for me, and I think our listeners might benefit from that. So doing physical things, important, helpful, but what's the more important thing there? Is to listen well to what might be going on, and then initiating and training the culture around your family. So yeah. for instance, like we can take the school example as a, a really good example. 
um, rather than me having to go back to the school and say, hey, you need to include my husband on these things or you need to, you need to talk to David. Rather me, you saying, hey, why don't I reach out to them so that they start mm-hmm. understanding the tone of our family? Yeah. Um, because that, that changes how people start thinking about us as a team. And I think that the silence of men... Uh, like I, I do think that men tend to go into a, a more silent role, whereas yeah. I, I also think that women go into a more controlling role. So I think that there are two things that happen at the same time, which shoot each other in the foot, right? Yeah. Um, but if a man can break that silence to start adjusting how the family is yep. dealt with, that is that removes a lot for me, at least. I think that it might remove a lot for women, but... So let me bring another example uh, that, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I think it will help elucidate another version. So you talked about the school, but in our house, I live in a world where if a door is closed, I don't care what's going on behind that door. Like, like if an I actual can't, door, yeah. like to a bedroom. <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> if they got dead animals back there, oh explosives, if I can't smell it and I can't see it, I'm great, right? But you... Oh my gosh, that's appalling to me. <laughs> If you see it, you can't unsee it until it's been cleaned. And so, you know, just naturally our kids' rooms devolve over time and they need a good cleanup. For me, again, if I'm like, go to bed, close the door, like I'm good, but I need to see that you can't unsee it. It's in your head. It's bogging (laughs) you down. And so I can take the initiative to go to our kids and say, oh, it's been a few days. Let's go ahead and straighten up your room. Let's get all our toys back where they belong, all our books organized put together, put all the experiments back on a shelf <laughs> so that we can walk through here and we all have our sanity. Yeah. Put out the fires. Let me help you. <laughs> the <laughs> literal fires sometimes. sometimes. Well, sometimes I just want to let the fires just burn it all up. <laughs> it's a mess. Burn the whole... I mean, if we could just burn all the junk in our backyard, I would do it. <laughs> I know. I like know. We used to burn leaves and stuff. We just burn old toys that have been sitting there for <laughs> six months. No joke. All right. So... Where do we go from here? So I think that that's the language that I need with you, but also with the my surroundings is like because that I do think that offers some relief just to say I'm not crazy. It's really normal one that, especially in a pandemic, we're feeling this in a really pronounced way. Yeah, the guilt is phenomenal. Um, the other thing I really want people to hear today is you are normal. Like if you are really tired by nine o'clock at night and you can barely keep your eyes open through a 20 minute sitcom, I think you're with the rest of us. Um, I'm guessing that we all have felt a lot of fatigue through the pandemic. I was also talking, same friend that I was talking with last week. And I feel like a year ago when the world shut down in early March, I sort of had like a vision for what I wanted for our kids and for our family. Mm-hmm. And I had some thoughts around like where we were going. Um, so when the world shut down in March, that vision initially lasted like I would say maybe six months. Like we still were ticking along pretty well. We still kept our spirits up, even though, I mean, we hit some real good bumps and deep dips, yeah. cliffs that <laughs> I threw myself off of. But I'm just saying, uh, like there were not not dismissing the cliffs and the difficulties, but there was enough vision to carry us through about six months. I would say roughly six months ago is when I started to enter into survival mode, 
which means that I don't really, I didn't have a lot of time or space to sort of think through where our family is going next and what we're doing. It's almost like we've been forced to pause. And so the things that have brought us life before are are nowhere to be found. So mm-hmm. we find a lot of life in leading our family into what's next. So that might be just simple maturity. Like when they were little, I remember thinking, okay, this year we're going to be potty training and that's a level of maturity for our kids. And you're doing great with that, Rachel. (laughs) I mean, it's been like seven years since you peed on the floor. (laughs) It's like toothpaste. I like, it came out and I couldn't get it back in the tube. I knew you were going to make a joke about that. So there were these goals or these small missions, but now we've been stuck for so long that I don't have those anymore. And I think that that's exhausting because those, when we have goals and visions for our family, that's really life-giving when we have some boundaries for our kids and we have places to take them, not just like Disney World, but I'm talking about like, hey, I'm really, I'm excited for you to go to school this year and get these grades. Mm -hmm. These are the lines that we're drawing for you. But when you're in survival mode, it just becomes really, really hard to make those because you don't have room to think because your kids are here all the time. And they are your kids when they're here bothering me. They're not our kids. No, they're mine. All mine. Yeah, I think what I hear you saying, which is an encouragement to me and hopefully to others, is that um, if you're in survival mode right now, if you're just trying to keep your head above water and keep your kids' head above water, um, like that's okay and you shouldn't feel guilty about that right now. If you're in a place where you have some capacity to move forward and do some of the things you were just describing um, as the pandemic rolls to an end, that's great. Like, let's do that. That's exciting. But for those of us who at different points over the last year and maybe over the next six months feel like I'm just gasping for air, I'm just trying to keep things together, there shouldn't be guilt associated with that because, like, that is a noble cause and that is a normal place to be right now, which is we're keeping everybody fed. (laughs) We're keeping our jobs as best we can, right? Or we're finding them if we've lost them because it's a tough time economically. And we are keeping our kids engaged engaged as we can with school to keep them moving, even if it's small steps. I remember living out in Colorado and there's this thing about like climbing all the 14ers, you know, and I did one. One, I lived there for four years. I did one, but I remember <laughs> going with a, a friend and like he sort of prepped me and coached me. He had done a bunch of them and a couple hours in, he was just like, hey, just look down at your feet and just all you need to do is put your right foot, like your heel to the toe of your left foot and then do, keep doing that. That's all we need to do right now. Like, because hmm. like, that's all I had the capacity to do. The air starts getting thin. You get so tired. And I feel like that's a good encouragement right now is you may just be taking little small steps in places and you might feel like a couple of those steps are backwards and then you keep moving forward. Um, there is light at the end of this tunnel and there will be times to thrive and grow. If, but if you're not feeling that right now, do not feel guilt about it's your surviving. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I think that's really encouraging to me. And that shifts how I wake up in the morning, like what we were talking about earlier. So like the one foot in front of the other for me is to make sure that my kids feel really well-loved because it's a bit lonely and isolating in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's all that's accomplished in the day, uh, I think it's okay. Like everything else can sort of go to hell. And if I've loved them well and have just hugged them tightly, I think it. I think it's okay. So if that is, if that's your line, if that's your standard, um, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, while you survive. Yep. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Keep on trucking one foot in front of the other. Yep. And don't let guilt hang you down. Hang you down? 
Hold you uh, down? Definitely not hang you down. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Weigh you down, I think, is maybe where I was there going. There it goes. That's French. Um, but also, I would say, like, take your guilt and your feelings and your sadness and bring those together as partners in life and, like, do this together. Don't fix each other, but really talk about it and really understand and uh, commiserate with each other. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Well, Good with that, word. We finally agreed on something. We agree all the time. <laughs> well, most of the time. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> no, we agree a lot. A lot, a lot. All right, let's go to Stat of the Week. Stat of the Week. All right, Rach. Hey, Dave. Hey. I got a little something for you. Something, something? Yeah. Right. So we've been encouraged by some reviews, and we just had to acknowledge the top saying in the review this week. Yeah. Um, someone said, wisdom, wit, and parenting grit. I just want to say that's exactly who we want to be. So thanks for that. Appreciate your reviews. Appreciate your ratings, all of it. Please keep them up. It helps us a lot, and we're really grateful. Um, so, Yeah. Throw us a rating and review on the old Apple podcasts. All right, I got a stat of the week for you. Stat of the week. Sort of. Oh, no. There's a twist. <laughs> Is it in French? <laughs> oh, oui, oui, mademoiselle. That's all I can say. Les incompetents. <laughs> all right, so I'm reading Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child by Dr. John Gottman. Like you're going to read the whole thing right now? Yep, that's the whole stat of the week. kidding. <laughs> 25 minutes of us talking and then four hours of me reading. <laughs> So he references some research that they did, he and his team did, on empathy. And I thought this was interesting. I'm going to describe the experiment, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So they had um, a couple, two couples, um, tape themselves, or they taped them in in a setting where they were talking about their emotions. And then, um, and and often something difficult, I think. And then they would have the husband um, watch it. And like comment on where they what they thought their wife was feeling, and then they'd have the husband watch themselves and comment on what they thought they were feeling, and then they have the wife do the same thing. So you could actually overlay like how much did the husband know and really see what the wife was feeling, and vice versa, uh, and how accurate was it? So my question for you is, uh, I don't know, in percentages maybe. Uh huh. How much more empathetic do you think the women were than the men? Empathetic, being able to actually tell what was going on with uh, their spouse and what they were feeling. Oh, I feel like this might be a trick question because, so my first instinct is to say that the woman was more empathetic, Mm -hmm. but I kind of think it might be a trick question because I have a feeling that men are more intuitive than we give them credit for. And so... I don't know. Does that answer any of your questions? So I don't I'm know percentages. Super, super frustrated because it was a trick question. <gasps> I knew it because I am a little bit intuitive as well, <laughs> just to say. <laughs> yeah. So in their research, they essentially uh, were able to tell that there was no difference in empathy, like that the men were just as uh, accurate at sort of commenting on or understanding what their wife was feeling at any given moment. Yeah. Interesting. But the, but the gap was in like communicating that and having like the social both moray to, to communicate those feelings, um, which I thought was really interesting. I couldn't find, like, the actual report to link to. So I'll link to this book, which is really good, but it's, it's thick, um, for me at least. But I did find another study that was done that was, like, a macro study that actually contradicts that and says that women do have some um, 
greater levels of empathy that some of which seems to be natural, um, like even as young children, uh, and some of it seems to be nurturing. Mm -hmm. So jury's still out. But I do think actually the takeaway for me as a husband is to say like, I do have the ability to see you, to read your verbal and nonverbal cues. Uh, Maybe what I need to get better at is like how to like kind of bounce those back to you and say, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. As opposed to seeing your anger or your sadness as something to be afraid of. Right. So either to fix it or deny it. Yeah. Um, and this kind of goes back to our guilt conversation, coincidentally, um, which is really around like when we communicate negative feelings to each other, I think the best thing I can do as a husband for you is to sort of mirror that back to you and help you feel and know that I see you and understand you and that your feelings are valid and you're not crazy. Yeah. More than figuring out how to fix the problem Yeah, I think that that is truly one of the most surprising things that I learned in the first five years of our marriage was how tender and intuitive you actually are. Like, I think that, unfortunately, there are all these stereotypes that surround men and women, and I think you're you're exactly right. Like, men may not have as much ability to communicate it, but I don't think that... I think men get the short end of the stick. They, I think that there's an assumption that they have no clue what's going on and that they're simple-minded, but I think that is far from the truth. I think men are much more tender and thoughtful than we give them credit for. Well, Rach, I would like to think of myself as kind of like a bucket of KFC, (laughs) tender but spicy (laughs) and intuitive. I like my chicken intuitive, as you said. That's terrible. (laughs) And on that note... We're going to bring this bad boy down. We're going to land it <laughs> on the Hudson like Sully. Oh it's been a disaster. Oh, we got to stop. We got to stop. This is going south. <laughs> All right, Rach. You may not be able to finish, but I'm going to finish. I really appreciate you. appreciate everyone listening. And we wish you a great week. And do not feel guilty. You're doing great. You're the man and the woman for this job to be the parent, the husband, the wife, the you partner. You're the chicken... I mean, wait. You are the spicy, (laughs) crunchy chicken from KFC. You can do it. And thank you, Rachel, for working on the farm. Thank you. Thank you for working on the farm. Check ya. Hey, hey, today we want... Bucket of chicken. <laughs>